not a dream, it's a reality. The victory and the heartbreak as France wins the ultimate trophy in the beautiful game. I'm glad he's eating good product, but uh, it's, you know, should be paid for. And caught on camera, the compulsive crook who's been stealing from the honor fridge. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, I'm Robin Gill. Thank you for joining us. We begin with breaking news. A major accident in Richmond late this afternoon is having a ripple effect across the region, including Vancouver International Airport. Nitu Garcha joins us now with more. Nitu, what happened? Robin, likely some very tense moments for passengers and staff at YVR after the power went out around 4 o'clock this afternoon. Now, we're told the issue is linked to a crash on Westminster Highway and Garden City Road. BC Hydro says a transmission pole that feeds into the airport was hit, causing an outage that affected all of Sea Island. RCMP confirm one of two vehicles involved in the crash hit the pole, closing Westminster Highway between Garden City Road and Cooney Road. TransLink says it's YVR Sea Island and Templeton stations were switched to reserve power, but train service was not affected. And Robin, full power has since been restored at YVR. And as they switch between backup and regular power systems, there have been some minor impacts to airport operations like elevators and escalators having to be restored manually. But YVR did confirm the power outage has not impacted any flights. We'll, of course, continue to follow this story and bring you the latest information as soon as we get it. Robin? All right, thanks, Nitu. Well, most of us in southern BC are basking in the summer heat, but that heat could be dangerous in the Fraser Canyon. Environment Canada issuing an extreme heat warning for that region today, which includes the communities of Lillooet and Lytton. As Grace Key reports, that heat is expected to stick around for days. There's nothing like cooling off down by the water. Families all along the Fraser Canyon were finding ways to beat the heat. With temperatures expected to reach 35 degrees, Environment Canada issued a heat warning for the area. It is definitely very hot, so we are down at the river to cool down a little bit, just dipping our toes in the river. In Lytton, if they weren't by the river, they were probably taking a dip in the local pool. With high temperatures hitting over the weekend, extra staff had to be brought in. They actually have been having to double guard lately because they get over 50 people. Good, eh? Finding some shade and drinking plenty of water helped this little one stay cool, but if you're a long-time local, 35 degrees may not seem so bad for Lytton. Not unusual, and everybody's quite used to it. Uh, and most people just carry on what they're doing. One thing they do take extra precautions with this time of the year is the risk with forest fires. We do have a, an organization called FireSmart for our community. And uh, every year we do some work in, uh, around uh, areas that are got a lot of uh, flammable materials. Temperatures are expected to hit up to 35 degrees through Tuesday and then it'll start to cool off on Wednesday. But many in Lytton are hardly phased by the heat warning, especially when they proudly call their town Canada's hotspot. Grace Key, Global News. South to the Fraser Valley now, where a new record high was reached on Saturday. Environment Canada saying the thermometer at Abbotsford International Airport climbed to 33.1 degrees Celsius. That broke the previous record set back on this day in 1996 by a full degree. Records have been kept since 1944. For more on how long this extreme heat in the Fraser Canyon will last, here's meteorologist Yvonne Schell. Yvonne?
Thanks, Robin. This will take us into early next week and many areas not seeing a bit of a break until our Wednesday, Thursday. Lit in the hot spot across the province today, reaching a high of 36.7. Not quite record-breaking, but remaining very hot. The heat warning into the Fraser Canyon, it extends north, including Lillooet, and south, including Lytton. This will take us in towards our Tuesday, and then Wednesday, Thursday, it'll be a touch cooler. Southern interior, though, Monday, Tuesday, that's where we're seeing the peak of the heat. Wednesday, Thursday, we'll be back into the low 30s. Most areas across the south coast, however, still remaining into the low 30s as the high for tomorrow. I'll have more on that coming up very shortly. Robin? All right, thanks, Yvonne. The persistent hot dry weather is not providing much relief to crews battling wildfires in the province right now. Find anything. <laughs> the East Shoe Swap Road fire east of Kamloops remains the largest fire burning closest to any community. The BC Wildfire Service says it's currently 545 hectares in size. 112 personnel are working the perimeter to try to contain more of the fire. And an eagle's nest, which was saved during a flare-up on Friday night, remains in place. Eaglets were even seen trying to fly from the nest yesterday. And in northwestern B.C., fire crews on the ground and in the air are battling a 10-hectare fire that was sparked yesterday on a back road on the north side of the Skeena River. No buildings are threatened, but smoke can be seen from Highway 16. The cause of the fire is under investigation. In Vancouver, hoarding made it difficult for firefighters to put out a house fire last night. By the time fire crews arrived at the home in the 3400 block of East 50th Avenue at about 9, the second floor had caught fire. Neighbours helped firefighters move a car that was blocking access to the home. The gas had been turned off. No one was found after a search inside, but that search was hampered because of hoarding conditions inside the house. A woman convicted in a notorious Surrey murder is wanted on a Canada-wide warrant for breaching parole. 47-year-old Joanna Lee Larson was one of two people convicted of manslaughter in the brutal killing of Annette Allen, whose body was dumped in the Fraser River. The 27-year-old was stabbed and beaten with a hammer at Surrey's House of Horrors in 2001. The crack house on 108th Avenue was the scene of murders, tortures and executions before it was demolished in 2002. Larson was sentenced to 18 years in prison but was granted parole in 2009 after serving just over four years. Larson has already had her parole revoked once for failing to return to her halfway house. Now she's accused of breaching her parole for doing the same thing. The World Cup final in Russia may be grabbing headlines today, but another World Cup tournament in Surrey has arguably a more important message. It's the first youth Kabaddi World Cup. And as Jill Bennett reports, it's hoped the sport with its South Asian roots can help young people turn away from a life of gangs and guns. The very first U21 World Cup of Kabaddi in the entire world. Teams from several countries. Team England! Team India! Gathered on a field in Surrey to play the contact sport Kabaddi with roots that go back to ancient India. It's a uh, grown man's version of tag and wrestling. It's a brotherhood, right? Um, you put your uh, heart on the line. I mean, it's a high impact sport. A lot of injuries. The group Kids Play has been working tirelessly to make this day happen. And it's about a lot more than competing in a sport. 
effective. Number one, it reconnects children with their sense of cultural identity, uh, specifically within the Southeast Asian community. And secondly, once again, it's providing these kids sports as an outlet away from a criminal lifestyle. The young men know all too well how easy it could be to fall into a criminal lifestyle, but say training and competing keeps them focused and busy. If we are into the game, so no one would go to have drugs and stuff. You see uh, kids even like two years younger than me uh, getting killed on the news and it's very concerning and uh, I think uh, these type of games provide like uh, escape almost like it keeps them busy and there's less chances for them to go get involved in gang activity. The June shooting deaths of two teens in Surrey, a crime police called targeted, prompted a huge turnout for a rally in that city. People there fed up with the ongoing gang violence. Enforcement officer and seeing children going into that drug and gang lifestyle, normally it's the mid-teens where you end up noticing that these children can diverge into that criminal lifestyle. While this is the first Kabaddi Youth World Cup, organizers hope the tradition will continue, reconnecting youth with their roots in hopes of ensuring a bright future. Jill Bennett, Global News. If you have to commute to and from Vancouver Island by ferry, there's some relief. The Queen of New Westminster is back in service after a number of sailings had to be cancelled this weekend. The 54-year-old ferry left at noon from the Tawasson Ferry Terminal for Swartz Bay. Round-trip sailings last night and this morning had to be scrubbed because of a recurring problem with the controllable pitch propeller. It's the same issue that led to sailings being cancelled last Sunday and Monday. BC Ferries says customers who had reservations that were cancelled will get refunds. And a section of Lougheed Highway in Pitt Meadows was closed for several hours early this morning after a car crashed into a power pole. It happened between Harris and Old Dudney Truck Roads. The route had to be closed in order to allow hydro crews to repair power lines that ended up sagging onto the highway. Welcome back. The French could not have timed it any better. A day after Bastille Day, France became this year's World Cup champions. Crowds packed the lawns beneath the Eiffel Tower in Paris, waving French flags after France's victory over Croatia. It was a scene seen around the world, including here in Vancouver, as both French and Croatian fans anticipated today's final match in Russia. Here's Kristen Robinson. Croatian pride pours out as hundreds of fans gather to watch their country's first ever appearance at a World Cup final. It's like the day we gain independence from the old former country, so we're super excited. It's amazing to be here, and they're going to win the game, we know. Across town, the American bar on Main Street pounding with more than 200 French fans. Everyone's really excited. Uh, the energy's good. It's looking good for them, so I think we're in for a win here. After Croatia's own goal gives France the early lead, Croatia ties it up. Then, after scoring on a penalty shot, France never looks back. Les Bleus defeating Croatia 4-2, winning its second World Cup title since 1998. It's not a dream, it's a reality. 20 years after our first uh, winning in the World Cup, it's a pen again. So it's, it's just crazy, crazy, wonderful day. I'm so happy. My um, second best day in my life. Back at the Croatian Cultural Center, Confidence may be lost, but pride remains. I never thought I'd see this in my lifetime, so you know what? We won before the game started. We are proud of the Croatian team, second place in the war. It's an unforgettable feeling, man. 
The day I die, I never forget this. France moving their victory party outside in a celebration fans won't soon forget. 20 years, 20 years, and it happened again. That's a great day. It's just soccer, though, but that's amazing. Kristen Robinson, Global News. U.S. President Donald Trump has left Scotland and is now in Helsinki, Finland, ahead of his face-to-face meeting with Vladimir Putin tomorrow. He may be pushing for better relations with Russia, but it's his parting shots to countries normally considered allies that's causing controversy. NBC's Kelly O'Donnell reports. Today, Air Force One reached Finland. This final stop in Helsinki follows days of Trump-style diplomacy that left close U.S. friends feeling stung. While a formidable adversary, Vladimir Putin, gets the spotlight tomorrow. I think the European Union is a foe, what they do to us in trade. Heaping on that fresh salt, President Trump referred first to allies when asked by CBS News to name his biggest foe. Now, you wouldn't think of the European Union, but they're a foe. Uh, Russia's a foe in certain respects. He set the bar low heading into his one-on-one. I'm not going with high expectations. One month after the president did carry high expectations into that handshake with North Korea's Kim Jong-un, the Putin face-to-face presents different risks. Do not try to befriend Vladimir Putin. Diplomacy is not about making friends. Diplomacy is about advancing America's national interest. On President Trump's agenda, Syria, Iran, Ukraine, and Russia's cyber assault on the 2016 election. But in that interview, the president blamed Democrats instead of the Russians. I think the DNC should be ashamed of themselves for allowing themselves to be hacked They had bad defenses, and they were able to be hacked. More than talk, the president is under pressure to confront Putin for Russia's cyber attack. Finland's presidential palace is under tight security, with media expected from around the world. Helsinki has honed its reputation as neutral territory when U.S. presidents meet their Russian and Soviet counterparts. This time around, the city is also having fun with the global attention. Branding the big event. There's even newly crafted beer that puts diplomacy on the label. A firefighter has died trying to contain a huge wildfire in California. 36-year-old Braden Varney died while using a bulldozer to try to hold back the blaze known as the Ferguson Fire. It broke out Friday just west of Yosemite National Park. Varney is said to have known the area very well and worked for California's Department of Forestry and Fire Protection for more than 10 years. Police in Hamilton, Ontario confirm former goaltender Ray Emery has died. Mr. Emery was uh, taking a swim this morning. Uh, The circumstances surrounding that still are part of the investigation and all those details will uh, remain to be uncovered by our investigators and we're asking anybody with any information around that to certainly contact our detectives. Emery had apparently been boating with friends when he went into the water near Marina. Emergency crews were called in around 6 a.m. when he didn't resurface. The Leafs GM tweeted his condolences, saying he was fortunate to know him at the start of his career and when he played for the Marlies in 2016-2017. Ottawa Senators owner Eugene Melnick wrote, Ray was instrumental in the 2007 Stanley Cup Final. Emery played for several teams, including the Ottawa Senators, Philadelphia Flyers, and Chicago Blackhawks. He was 35 years old. No foul play is suspected. 
A man is recovering after suffering injuries from a skydiving accident at the Innisfail Airport. According to EMS, it happened at around 4 p.m. Saturday. Paramedics were called for reports of someone parachuting and suffering injuries after a hard and unexpected landing. An air ambulance transported him to hospital where he's in serious but stable condition. He's expected to survive. Now to a scare in the air in Europe that left passengers first frightened and then frustrated after a Ryanair flight made a sudden rapid descent. NBC's Gaddy Schwartz reports on what the airline is saying about it. Terrified passengers on a Ryanair jet tried not to panic after alarm sounded, oxygen mask dropped, and ears began to bleed. The worst feeling of my life. We were all thinking we were going to die. Roxanne Brownlee and Sarah Sahelnik were on a flight from Dublin to Croatia late Friday when it began a rapid descent, 26,000 feet in seven agonizing minutes. The plane made an emergency landing in Germany where 33 passengers were hospitalized. Many furious tonight saying they were provided with little food, a few cuts, and no solid answers on what happened. We really did not feel like we were being treated like humans. Ryanair has apologized, blaming the incident on in-flight depressurization and admitting a shortage of available accommodation. A frightening experience capping seven minutes in the skies. Passengers won't soon forget. Gotti Schwartz, NBC News, London. The 12 boys who were trapped in a cave in Thailand for almost three weeks pay tribute today to the Navy SEAL who died during the rescue operation. The boys wrote messages of thanks on a portrait of Saman Kunin, who died as he was trying to deliver oxygen tanks to the trapped teens in their coach. The boys were overcome with emotion while writing messages to the man who lost his life trying to save theirs. Doctors made the choice to reveal Kunin's death to the boys today. Archaeologists in Egypt have stumbled upon a new discovery that dates back more than 2,500 years. They found a mummification workshop and a shaft that was used as a communal burial place. At the end of the 30-meter deep shaft, they located several mummies along with wooden and stone coffins. The site is located near the country's famed pyramids. It's believed the site dates back about 664 to 404 BC. Egypt hopes these discoveries will help boost the country's vital tourism industry. The world is getting another glimpse of Britain's Prince Louis. Kensington Palace released these photos taken after his christening last Monday. The photos feature dad and mom, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, big brother Prince George, big sister Princess Charlotte, grandparents on both sides of the family, and uncle Prince Harry with his new bride, Meghan. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. The Fraser Canyon isn't the only region under a heat warning. Environment Canada extended its heat advisory for Greater Toronto with warnings to keep an eye on young children and the elderly. Plenty of people still heading outside despite the humidity. The city has 180 air-conditioned community centres and local libraries that can be visited to cool down. Well, let's bring in Yvonne Shell now and take a look at the weather in the week ahead. It is getting hotter, though, isn't it? Yes, another hot day, especially for us across the south coast, and even hotter Monday, Tuesday for interior sections. More on the numbers in just a moment. The tower cam shot overlooking uh, the south right now. 24 to the airport with a westerly wind at 15 kilometers per hour. Our temperatures today, uh, we did see it very hot, but yesterday it was record-breaking for Abbotsford with a new record of 33. The old one set back in 1996 of 32.5. 25, but when you factor in the Humidex today, it felt closer to 29 and 30 degrees for most areas by the water and inland sections into the low 30s. We'll continue to see another hot day for tomorrow and well above that average that sits closer to 22. 
Numbers across the province today, Kamloops a hot one at 34, Lillooet today at 37, Lytton today was at 37.6. Most areas near Victoria closer to 29 and 30 degrees and inland for the island today was into the low 30s. Out of, the, out of North Van, your current temperature at 29. Coquitlam still sitting at 30 degrees. Hot this evening for Pitt Meadows at 31. Low 30s for eastern sections with Aldergrove at 32. And Abbotsford, rather, closer to 30 degrees. 29 for Quinnell, 25 for Smithers. Prince Rupert at 16 degrees. The north coast is the one area across the provinces that is getting spared from the heat. We do have a system pushing in, cloud cover, and even a chance of showers as early as this evening. The heat warning, once again, is has been issued for the Fraser Canyon. It'll remain in effect, north including Lillooet and south including Lytton, with temperatures closer to 35 and 38 degrees through your choose. Tuesday. Here's the upper level chart putting it into play. Most areas across the coast will see one more hot day for tomorrow. Metro Vancouver areas away from the water will be in the low 30s but interior sections it's Monday, Tuesday that's the peak of the heat and then back into the low 30s will be on your Wednesday, Thursday. The piece today up to 26 degrees a southwesterly wind gusts of up to 50 kilometers per hour on Wednesday the return for some wet weather in the form of showers. Whitehorse remaining unsettled with more cloud cover temperatures tomorrow up to 17 and it's coastal sections for the northern half of the province the next three days on and off showers and cooler temperatures with only highs of 16. Caribou and Central Interior, the UV index at 8 or very high tomorrow. 29 is your high, well above the average of 22. Columbia and Kootenai will see the peak of the temperatures tomorrow and Tuesday up to 38 degrees, but still into the mid-30s on Wednesday with the high of 36. Thompson, Okanagan, 36. Southern sections near Soyuz up to 38 degrees tomorrow. Whistler will be at 33. UV index, a reminder, is at very high. Grab the sunscreen and make sure you're hydrated and a range and temperatures across the island. Inland near Port Alberni will be at 35 degrees, 28 degrees for areas near Victoria and near the water at 22. Port Hardy will see some cloud cover for tomorrow morning and then more of a clearing on the way in sunshine by the afternoon. Five-day forecast, fantastic, but we'll still see one more hot day for Metro Vancouver tomorrow. Still a range in temperatures Tuesday, 25 away from the water up to 29 degrees. A few clouds will be in the mix and we'll be back into the low 30s on our Wednesday, Thursday. Another hot one for tomorrow. Robin? All right, thanks, Yvonne. Returning to our top story and the impact of that major crash in Richmond. Power has been restored for thousands of customers in the city after an outage that impacted Waviar Airport and all of Sea Island. The RCMP says one of two vehicles involved in a crash on Westminster Highway at Garden City Road hit a transmission pole that feeds into the airport. We're told lights flickered, escalators and elevators stopped working, and alarms sounded. Despite all of that, people we spoke to at the airport maintained their cool as crews worked to restore power. We currently have about 4,700 customers without power, and that's uh, 4,700 customers in Richmond, and then we have about 600 customers on Sea Island without power. Outages can be caused by anything from a branch coming in contact with our wires, our crews could be doing anything from doing a uh, restringing wire and polar placements. Polar placements are the ones that do take a bit of time. So we do appreciate everyone's uh, patience. So there was an alarm that was sounded at around 3.30 when the first outage began. Uh, after that, uh, obviously everybody was a little surprised at the time. Lights completely off and uh, the restaurants, all the lights, and then the generator, I'm guessing, powered the lights back up at around 3.45. And then there was about, I don't know, about a 45-minute lull between then. And then it occurred again. The alarm sounded.
the lights were off, and, uh, and then they were powered back up within five minutes. And it's a beautiful out. I don't mind standing outside for a bit, waiting. It's beautiful weather, yeah. so. And all the escalators were off, and they said everything was running behind for about an hour. Yeah. Nobody really panicked, just... Nope, nope. It's calm, nope. they were organized. Organized, they just were very clear about you're going to have to wait now an hour, hour and a half for your friend. For thousands of years, humans have been impacting the Earth's ecosystem, and some would say it's mostly negative for the world's animal population. But now scientists at the San Diego Zoo are hoping to reverse this alarming decline with very high-tech tools. At the San Diego Zoo, it's not just about protecting endangered animals. Good girl. <laughs> Here, they're trying to give them new life. Their cells, frozen in time. And how long can that last? Indefinitely. Really? Think of the frozen zoo as Jurassic Park meets Noah's Ark. We may be able to change the game to prevent extinction. Dr. Oliver Ryder manages the lab, storing frozen DNA from over 10,000 different animals. This small room, one of the most biodiverse places on Earth. We may be able to genetically rescue some species that have had their gene pools shrink to gene puddles. The mission is crucial. Global populations of vertebrate animals declined by about 60% since 1970. Scientists say human activity like poaching and pollution has driven extinction rates a thousand times higher than they would be without human intervention. The urgency to perfect the technology came in March when a northern white rhino named Sudan, the last male of his subspecies, died. So is this one of the last specimens of him? It is. It's probably the last specimen we froze here of his skin cells. Dr. Barbara Durant and her team hope to jumpstart the subspecies through a complex method of fertilization after those skin cells are reprogrammed into cells capable of fertilizing a northern white rhino egg. This is also the first time we've applied this broad range of advanced technology to saving the species. The embryo would then be implanted in a host rhino capable of giving birth. That's our ultimate goal is to have a self-sustaining herd of northern white rhinos back in the wild. Conservationists here are trying to correct for the human impact on the environment, but they also grapple with an ethical question. Can more human intervention correct for past human mistakes? I think the massive intervention is the destruction of habitat, the poaching to extinction of, of species. This is a well-thought-out, reasoned, scientific intervention to reverse the damage that we have done. A hope that with new technology, extinction may become extinct. Matt Bradley, NBC News, San Diego. All right, before we get into the World Cup highlights, we want to tell you about an extremely close call for a pole vaulter at a track meet in Morocco. He was lucky to escape injury after he missed his vault. And on the way down, his pole skewered the front of his shorts and the bottom of his shirt. You can see him eventually looking down to see if anything was missing, and we are told all body parts are intact. As we say, that was a close one. But that's when you go. Wow, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, when you say skewer. <laughs> not I like you, that word. That's not what he wants to hear. Better than the javelin catching, though, which yeah, is what thanks. I used to do at the track meets. So, yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk some soccer, obviously. There you, you know, go. A billion or so people were, were watching this little soccer game we had a little earlier today. Uh, Russia 2018 has been fantastic. It's had everything. Amazing goals, dramatic finishes, gutsy performances from players and teams that you really wouldn't expect it from. It all came to a conclusion today in the finals with France meeting 
Croatia. The French are really a team that has it all. They score, they defend, they have experience, and they've got a lot of talented youth as well. Five wins, one draw heading in. Croatia getting every drop out of their squad. Perseverance through injuries. They won a couple of penalty shootouts, and true to form, they fell behind early on an own goal, but Ivan Perisic draws them even with the cracker, settles it, and then thumps it past Hugo Lloris. 1-1, but then a bit of controversy. Is that a handball right there? They had to go to the video review. And upon review, yes, they say that was a handball. So penalty awarded to France. Antoine Griezmann from the spot. He converts 2-1 France at the half. Second half now. The French keep on coming, and it's Paul Pogba who gets two chances at it. Buries the second. 3-1 France in control. And then six minutes later, it's the 19-year-old French phenom, Kylian Mbappe. Cool as you like as you like as his fourth World Cup goal. That clinches it for France despite a quick response from Croatia. It ends 4-2 France. They capture their first World Cup 20 years after their first one. You'd have to say the best team won. The French were magnifique in Russia, accepting their trophy in a driving rainstorm. They didn't mind. Russia 2018, pretty entertaining stuff, you'd have to say. Well, if the Wimbledon semifinals were a marathon, the final was a sprint for Novak Djokovic. He took control of the match early and cruised to a straight-sets victory over South African Kevin Anderson to win his fourth Wimbledon title, 13th career major for Djokovic. Anderson's first Wimbledon final had played four more hours of tennis than Djokovic to get to this level. It was very one-sided, the opening two sets. Easy put away for Djokovic, who won the first set 6-2. Anderson coming off that six-hour, 36-minute semifinal against John Isner. Had no legs or bounce despite the grand stage. Double fault there, 6-2 in the second set as well. After the dynamic tennis we saw in the semis, this was pretty routine, although Djokovic pounds the winner down the line there. Anderson did play better in the third. Shows off his skills here. Big stretch volley winner by the South African to stay on serve up 5-4. He actually had five set points but could not convert any of them. Djokovic so tough to break when the points get big and in the tiebreaker he puts the pedal down the forehand pass down the line and then match point Djokovic serving Anderson nets the return and that's it. Djokovic wins his fourth Wimbledon title major number 13. This one may be more special after enduring wrist surgery and a tough comeback but he's back at the top and very thankful. Man I went through some some difficult moments but everybody does you know every athlete every person in this world we're all humans we we all have ups and downs that's life you know uh, you can't can't have it all you can't have it all you know, all as you imagined. And I'm someone that always tries to, to improve, you know, the game and, and get better and just develop in life every single day in every aspect of my being. And so this is a, a great, so to say, this result is a great confirmation that, that I'm on a good road. Very profound comments from Djokovic. Final round of the LPGA's Marathon Classic from Ohio. Canada's Brooke Henderson with a one-shot lead when the day began. She was tied for the lead at the 14th, but then goes back on top with this birdie. She's got the lead at 15 under, but she gave it right back at the 15th. And then at 16 for par, misses again. Back-to-back -back bogeys. Now Brooke trails by one. Needs a birdie to get into the playoffs. 18-footer on 18. Good stroke, but just slides it 
agonizingly by. Brooke Henderson falls a stroke short, finishes solo third, missed a chance to get her seventh LPGA win. Thailand's Thidapa Sunawapura won her first LPGA title in a one-hole playoff. Final round of the John Deere Classic. Canadian David Hearn nearly won this tournament five years ago. Lost in a playoff to Jordan Spieth in 2013. Had a decent run this week thanks to shots like this one. But Hearn did slide a bit on the back nine today and finished tied for 16th at 14 under along with fellow Ontarian Mackenzie Hughes. Nick Taylor was 34th, but that man Michael Kim ran away with it. 22 under after three rounds, had a five-shot lead, actually extended it thanks to approaches like that on the eighth. Kim broke the tournament scoring record set by Steve Stricker in 2010 with this 21-footer for birdie at the 16th. Kim finishes the tournament at a record 27 under par. It's his first PGA win, and he won it by eight shots. The Open Championship goes next week in Scotland at the famed Carnoustie Golf Links. Welcome back. It took a while for Travis Lule and the Lions to find their game last night, but when they did, something amazing happened. They played with heart and determination, something that's been lacking in the past couple of weeks. BC dug themselves out of a 17-0 halftime deficit to stun the Blue Bombers 20-17 and get their season back on the rails. Jay Janor has a look back. the Lions with a stop. Before we get to Travis Lula and the Lions offense, this is where BC's comeback truly started. Stuffing Winnipeg on third and goal early in the third. It was good that we kept it close. It was good to see the defense, uh, you know, gather itself again. And, uh, you know, good to see us put some pressure on the quarterback. Good to see us make some plays on defense. And uh... Second and ten. And long overdue to see this, a Lions offense moving the chains and moving the ball downfield into the end zone. Travis Lule resuscitating a morbid Lions offense that looked lifeless through BC's opening three games. Lule throwing for over 300 yards against the Bombers. I mean, it's, it's huge for us. We're still in the early part of the season. We stay right in the hunt with this win tonight. Uh, you know, a bunch of teams have two losses in the West. So. so, I mean, we're just right in the thick of it. So for us to find ways to continue to develop confidence, I mean, like I said, we ended up with 20 points tonight. We left we left two great scoring opportunities on the board in the first half. And so we know we can be a lot better than that. It should be a great confidence builder. I'll tell you what, it feels heck of a lot better to correct mistakes after a win than a loss. It just feels great, man, to, to know the type of guys we have in this locker room that we're not going to give up. Yeah! Oh, you didn't know? We're not going to give up, man. We don't have those type of guys in our locker room. Um, so to kind of come out... Second half with a big zero on the board and to come out with the win, that's huge. You know, uh, he ran the offense very efficiently. And, uh, you know, hopefully we start connecting on some of those uh, throws. And when we start doing it, we'll be a lot more explosive. Well, the Whitecaps were outclassed for most of the night last night in Washington, D.C., falling 3-1 to Wayne Rooney and D.C. United. But in the game's dying seconds, the Whitecaps budding superstar Alfonso Davies scored one of the greatest goals in franchise history. It may not have affected the outcome of the game, but it's the kind of play that could affect Davies' future. Uh, maybe one last chance for the Whitecaps to spoil the party just that little bit, and it's Alfonso Davies. Skipping away, gets away, and unleashes a cannon! There goes the shutout, and it's Alfonso Davies. 
Ortiz, who unleashes an absolute howitzer. Third goal in his MLS career. Too little, too late. But some consolation for the visitors. And an absolute wonder strike. And there will be a lot of foreign media watching this game for Wayne Rooney. Well, they'll now have seen the kid everybody's talking about. Well, that was spectacular. MLS Today, Sounders and Atlanta United FC. Seattle desperately in need of points. Nicholas Ladero scores from the spot, barely, but Atlanta ties it. Joseph Martinez with the header, it ends 1-1. Record crowd of over 72,000 took this one in in Atlanta. Atlanta's first overall in the MLS. The Sounders 11 points out of a playoff spot. The Whitecaps visit Seattle next Saturday. Final day before the Major League All-Star break. Blue Jays in Boston taking on the first-place Red Sox. Down 2-0 in the third until Teoscar Hernandez ties it up with this two-run shot over the Green Monster. 2-2, but in the fifth, Jackie Bradley Jr. to straightaway center. That's off the wall. That scores the game-winning run. Boston wins 5-2. Red Sox have the best record in the majors at the break, 68-30. The Jays are 43-52, and, and the Mariners lost their fourth straight today in Colorado. So the All-Star break coming at a good time for them. Toronto Indy, local boy James Hinchcliffe, one of three Canadians in the race. Hinchcliffe coming off a win in Iowa last week. Big pileup on lap 33 involved seven cars, but the good thing about that is that it helped the Canadians. Hinchcliffe ended up finishing fourth, just missed the podium. Robert Wickens of Guelph, Ontario, did place third, but no one could catch New Zealand's Scott Dixon, who took the checkered flag in Toronto. BC Super Week concluded today with the Tour de White Rock road race in the women's division. They go 80Ks. It was an all-Canadian podium. Vermilion, Alberta's Allison Jackson attacked the finish line about 400 meters to go and got the win. Courtney's Jillian Elsay was second. And Victoria's Megan Rathwell was third. The men's race, 130 Ks. Vermont's Brendan Rim broke away early, rode by himself the last 50 Ks on a scorching hot day. Won it in just under three hours, 29 minutes. German riders finished second and third, including Florence Nauer, whose third place was his seventh podium in nine race series uh, races on the BC Super Week series. So. Congratulations to all. That's, that's really one of the, you know, the Tour de France is going on now, but for the <laughs> North American riders and for the second-tier riders, BC Super Week's pretty darn good. Well, it's a long-standing tradition at farms across the country. You grab some eggs or meat from the open fridge and you leave some cash behind. But one bold thief is breaking the honor code. And as Kristen Robinson reports, the string of bizarre heists all caught on tape. The sign says, please help yourself. And this guy does just that. Most everybody's honest, you know, and if they don't have the money that day, they have the money the next day. I mean, that's just the way it works. But not for everyone. They just come at all hours of the day and night. Since mid-June, the honor stand at Mama's Farm in Vernon hit eight times by this alleged bandit who has a love for organic Smokies. Yeah, I'm glad he's eating good product, but uh, it's, you know, should be paid for, and we have to stop it. The fridge heist started with a dozen eggs and escalated to packaged meat. So far, the family farm has lost about $800 in product and cash from the jar where customers are supposed to leave payment. He takes the money too. He doesn't just stop at the food. He takes the money if there's money out there. We'll catch him. Surveillance cameras have captured the pilfering. 
Police believe they've identified the alleged female accomplice, but who this alleged pillager is and why he keeps loading up on Mama's farm remains a mystery. Just, you know, give us a break. I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy you love our products. I'm happy you love Mama's products, but, you know, start paying for it. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Ah. You know what I love about this? There's cameras from all yeah. angles, and they're really good. Yeah, it's a clear shot of him, so someone out I, there must know who he is. You would think, but then hopefully it's good advertising for Mama. You know, yeah, take something yeah. bad and be uh, good, and those others have to pay the price, I would hope. <laughs> what are you in for? You know, I'm in for stealing eggs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. Hopefully. Can you imagine? Hopefully I'll get them, yeah. So ridiculous. <laughs> so ridiculous. Wanted to update us on the weather? Yeah, final look at your five-day forecast. Still one more hot day across the south coast, but two more hot days for the interior, so be prepared for the heat. All right, thanks for joining us. Have a great night, everyone.